So, Cass and I just got <laughs> back from the AMS meeting in Austin. What is AMS, you ask? Probably most of you know, but if you don't, it's the American Meteorological Society, and we had a great, great time in Austin talking about a lot of different issues, especially those revolving around the idea and theme, which this year was communication. Yeah, like while we were there, we ran into a lot of great people, and we had a lot of great conversations, saw some great presentations, and we just wanted to recap the conference and bring those experiences to you. So... You're listening to Weather Hype, a podcast where we talk about weather, climate, and how it affects you. I'm Castle. And I'm Min. Stick around because our recap is coming up next. Boom. Shaka laka Now I'm the reason why you broke up with him and got back together. Thought I was sunshine, but baby, I'm bad weather. I'm off the Doppler in the five-day forecast. By the time they hear me, I've already pushed the shore back. No, no, I wasn't always like this. Skies cleared soon as my daylight lit. Sidewalks dried up, no snow emergency. I could take you February and turn it into spring. I get gone, I get gone, and I don't need anyone to know better. Put your face Hello, Castle. It's been, um, how long? Uh, Hello, a it's, uh... Has it been a week yet since <laughs> I've seen you? <laughs> um, yes. It's the week to the day, actually. Last oh, yeah, Thursday. that's right. That's right. It is. Well, uh, you know, we both were in Austin enjoying the AMS meeting. Uh, while there were a lot of things going on in the world, uh, right now trying to avoid a government shutdown. So like I said earlier, if you uh, so many are listening things. to this, the government may not be functioning by the time you hear this <laughs> podcast episode. Also, we hope it is. We hope it is. I mean, we do. T- yeah, for sure. I have a lot of friends who work in uh, different agencies that would be affected. So I don't want them to have I a do. shutdown. <laughs> oh, wait, would you be sh- would you be like furloughed? I don't think so. I'm just saying technically, I guess I work for the government. A oh, little bit. but I don't. <laughs> well, I mean, nothing's going to stop me from doing hazard simplification. Oh, <laughs> not even a government shutdown can stop. Not even a government shutdown. Well, could a ballistic missile alert shut Ooh. you down? Ooh, because that kind of happened in Hawaii. <laughs> yeah, not, that that's was not so funny. crazy. It was so crazy. For people who didn't experience it, it's kind of like, haha, wow, someone goofed. But then for the people in Hawaii, I could not imagine getting that. I was asking people, what would you do I if you woke either. up to an alert saying that you need to take shelter because a nuclear missile is coming at you? I feel like I'd freak out and call everybody I could or text everybody and said I love them. I don't know what else I could do. And people were like, nah, I would just eat cereal. I was like, would you eat really cereal? just sit there and eat cereal? Like, you would go about your day pretending like you didn't just get an alert that said this is not a test or this is not a false alarm. Like, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't think people truly understand until they're in that that uh, area or in any part of mm-hmm. Hawaii that got that alert. Because, I mean, people were... Um, I saw this video of a, a father putting his kid down a sewer manhole oh my gosh because he was just like i gotta protect her you know and people were like all huddled together in like hotel lobbies and doing all this stuff ah, yeah i don't know that's crazy to me yeah i read a story where these this couple was walking down the street and like this random person and like a house they were walking by just like pulled them inside and was like you have to take cover and um, so i mean it's nice that people were like thinking of others in yeah that, that is really good um, but I was thinking about it from a warning communication perspective. Of course obviously. you were. <laughs> um, I was just, it was it's such a good case study um, because there used to be some of these great studies on uh, like the nuclear sirens that would go off like in the 50s and 60s. Yeah. Um, yeah. And we haven't had one of those in a long time. And now we have like social media and stuff. And that's how the message was really spread through 
uh, society was through social media. So it was interesting from that perspective. But the thing that I was wondering is, I don't know what a ballistic missile is. Do you know what a ballistic missile is? I I don't know specifically. I just assumed it was like a missile that would uh, potentially come (laughs) from North Korea or something. Yeah, I don't know. Let me see. Should we Google this real quick? Maybe we should, because when I was, if it were me, I would be like, my first question would be, what is a ballistic missile? Like, I would probably have to Google that. This is a um, Wikipedia. Um, a ballistic missile is a missile that follows a ballistic trajectory with the objective of delivering <laughs> one or more warheads to a predetermined target. So, I guess ballistic missile means that there, it, like, follows a specific path that it's set on when it was mm. released. Yeah. <laughs> I just don't know why Sorry. that is such a, like... This is an, a headline that, that showed up. Um, you know when you type in something on Google, it'll have, it'll have like, a top story section? So, for yeah. Fox News, it says, Pornhub usage spiked in Hawaii after false ballistic missile alert. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> does that mean that we have to mark our podcast episode but as explicit now? It does, but some, some folks that we'll talk about later kind of suggested that it might make it more popular <laughs> if, we, if we mark it I as mean, explicit. I mean, maybe. Maybe it would. <laughs> interesting um so i'm just assuming it's like a nuclear warhead and in the movies when you see they push a button and it's like it's gonna hit this place or that place i think that's pretty much what it means but when you're choosing words like with these alerts there's not so many words like you are short in the number of words you can choose i just don't know if i would use the word i bet there was a huge google search at that moment it's like what does ballistic mean you know yeah it's not the smallest and i mean that's not something you want you don't want someone to be like instead of taking a protective action they are googling instead that's like not what you want according to miriam webster uh, ballistic means um of or relating to the science of the motion of projectiles so yeah it kind of falls into line okay so it's a path it's along some sort of i never really thought of ballistic as meaning that i feel like i've used it before and maybe i've used it incorrectly but that definitely wasn't what i thought it meant oops (laughs) Okay. Um, so back to what we're supposed to be talking about, which is <laughs> the American Meteorological Society meeting in Austin, Texas. It was the 98th annual meeting this year, and the theme of it was transforming communication in the weather, water, and climate enterprise. Um, and so it's a really important topic. Both you and I really love communication, and so we thought that this year particularly would uh, really highlight that idea that we need to be able to talk with one another in the weather and water and climate enterprise. But also, I think importantly, too, in reading that uh, description of the theme, listening Mm -hmm. is also just as important as communicating. Like, that's part of what communication is. And you also not only do you need to know how to talk and talk to people and, you know, whatever, but you also need to be able to listen effectively to make sure that that's, you know, a two-way type of communication. Yeah, and uh, one of our colleagues, Dr. Susan Jasko, uh, she has presented on this topic an- numerous times on listening and like and the difficulties that go into listening and the different types of listening that you can do. Um, so it is an important aspect of communication that is often kind of overlooked. We seem to focus on the messages a lot and pick apart like how we're saying yeah. things when we don't always think about how someone is interpreting it or hearing it or listening to it. So I'm really glad that they included that into the description of the overall theme because I think it was super important for that to be. Added. And, you know, the the AMS president for this year, Matt Parker, who unfortunately passed away earlier this year or earlier in 2017, um, this was his vision to have a meteorology and, and climate conference that really centered on the idea of communication. And so, you know, a lot of these ideas you know, we took to heart and also helped to host 
make communication workshop in his honor, right? We did. Um, last year, um, when we, I was on the Committee for Communicating Weather and Climate Information, and Matt Parker walked through the door at the 2017 meeting in Seattle and told us his theme and his vision for the next conference. And he really conveyed that he wanted some sort of communication workshop to go along with the theme because it seemed like like it meshed so well. And so the our committee took it on and we were like, yes, we will help you do this. Um, and then with his sudden passing, we didn't really know what his, vis- what his vision was for the workshop, just that he really wanted mm-hmm. it to go in tandem with the, the annual meeting. And so uh, myself and Gina Esco, uh, Dr. Gina Esco, we kind of took on this idea and tried to morph it into something that we thought that he would really want and really want for our community. And so we kind of ended up going with this idea of consistency and inconsistency, especially in a social media kind of world that we're dealing with. Um, But then we focused in on the 2017 hurricane season because it was just so devastating and really allowed us to reflect on our communication and the way that we conveyed things to the public. Um, So we thought that it was a perfect theme to kind of mesh all these different topics together that we're kind of experiencing in our weather community. Yeah, and at that workshop, we had a lot of different um, components to it. We had a panel uh, discussion on the hurricane season. We had representatives from uh, Houston, Tim Heller, uh, at the TV station in Houston, who talked about his experiences with Harvey. We also had experiences from, or uh, perspectives from, you know, South Florida with uh, John Morales and his experiences with um, Irma. And also we had um, Ada, who is a meteorologist in Puerto Rico, and she talked about Hurricane Maria. And so we were hoping to get a diverse perspective overall of the hurricane season and and the three storms that really made an impact on the people of the United States and its territories as well. And so that was cool um, to hear that. And we also then had what we called lightning talks, which were uh, three-minute, really brief uh, flash talks, if you will. These talks highlighted a very provocative idea to kind of get the audience really thinking about, you know, whatever the, the title or the, or the talk was. So we had things about consistency, things about probability, probabilistic versus deterministic forecasts, things like that. And after that, then we had a table discussion where we actually broke up into about six different groups. And each group tackled an idea about consistency and communication. So for me, I sat in on the hashtag weather Twitter group had a lot of great, uh, fascinating discussion there. And which table did you sit at, Castle? I sat at the what is consistency table, obviously, because that's basically my dissertation. <laughs> so um, it was important for me to go there. And I even recorded it, which I'm super excited to listen awesome. back on. And then there were other tables, too. Uh, one of them that was talking about chronology and social media. So, you know, in Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, what used to be when you look at your timeline or whatever, the post would show up chronologically. Nowadays, they're all scrambled. You know, there's different priorities and different algorithms that are in place to kind of uh, dictate what you see and what time you see your post. So imagine if you're posting about severe weather, then, you know, things may be outdated because of that weird algorithm that's being used by these social media companies. That was one table. Another table talked about um, consistency and graphics that are used in television, and I think more particularly colors that are used. So that was really interesting as well. And there are a few other tables that discuss uh, different ideas about the consistency, but we hope that we can gather some of the notes from that workshop 
and then have those notes available for people who weren't able to attend so they can kind of read through. And then that can hopefully spur more discussion and then more uh, analyses into the idea of consistency and and uh, what that all can mean for the weather enterprise. Yeah, we want to continue this conversation. It's incredibly important for us to continue talking about consistency because our community has kind of elevated the problem and really highlight that it's something that we want to push forward with and keep talking about. I think getting these notes together, getting all this information that was kind of reflected in each of the groups together in one central location will help us kind of continue to move this uh, conversation forward because we often only talk about it at conferences and it gets kind of frustrating for some individuals who think it's really important for us to talk about consistency, but there's just really not a platform to do that besides at conferences. Mm -hmm. Um, So if we can kind of centralize all these really great ideas and thoughts, then we can kind of keep the conversation going throughout different conferences in the year versus just having it at AMS every year. So I think that this workshop In my eyes, it was incredibly successful. I think Matt Parker would have really enjoyed um, partaking and also seeing his vision come to life. It was great. Um, It was all a blur to me because I was so busy doing, taking notes and um, doing things, but I I really think people enjoyed it. I've got some emails um, about it and also some people came and talked to me about it. So I think it was great and I hope others thought as well. And it's recorded, so we'll be able to share it as soon as it becomes available. So that's exciting as well. So, you know, AMS, we talk about a lot of different ideas and there are so many emotions. One of the moments that really stood out to me at the AMS meeting this year was listening to Ada Monzon talk about her experience with Hurricane Maria and being in Puerto Rico. You know, she came to the communication workshop that we hosted on that Sunday and talked a little bit about it. And and that was already getting me very um, teary-eyed. Hearing her experience as, you know, she's been in TV meteorology for 30 years, right? A little over 30 years. And, you know, Mm -hmm. she was like this, I've never, never experienced anything like this before. And she said for the very first time, she was actually very scared and not necessarily scared for what was occurring, but she was more scared of the aftermath and what it would mean for Puerto Rico and their infrastructure. You know, how could they move forward after, I mean, literally being demolished and and wiped away buildings, homes, I think 90% of of homes were destroyed. Uh, Power was just restored. Um, to a lot of people. I mean, there was a, a viral video going around of a of a school in Puerto Rico and they were finally, they just got power back and you can see everyone's so ecstatic and cheering and jumping around, teachers and students included. Um, so these, this is months after the storm. I don't think people truly still understand what kind of impact Maria yeah. had on Puerto Rico. It hit as a, a really strong category four, but I think it was the strongest hurricane to hit in um a lot of decades, I think since the 1930s or something like that. Sure, they get tropical storms and, and, you know, hurricanes, but this one was, this one was pretty mighty. And, you know, she was saying there was a, she was part of the presidential forum discussion, I believe as well. And she talked about her experience and going around afterwards, you know, the Doppler radar in uh, Puerto Rico had like flown off and was like completely like smashed and you could just hear her getting so emotional when she's delivering her 
addressed everybody, and everybody at that uh, forum gave her a standing ovation when she finished because we just knew how much she went through and her power and her, you know, communication skills in Puerto Rico during that time, you know, during and after the storm. They were powerful. I think she made she reached over 30 million people on Facebook Live and Twitter uh, Periscope when she was doing these updates for people. She said every three hours she would do these updates. Yeah, you know, sometimes crazy. that was the only way to get information out to people who m- might still have cell service and data because TVs, you know, her TV station antenna was completely mangled from the wind. She became... I don't know if a celebrity is the right way to describe it, but she kind of became an even bigger celebrity during that time because people were coming to her for information and she was a trusted source. And I think um, one word that mm-hmm. she kept using at that workshop when she talked to us about communication was trust. You know, you need right. people exactly. there to trust you. And even though her whole life was falling apart, I mean, she has family and friends who were impacted by the storm as well, but she said in moments where she felt like she couldn't handle it anymore, she had to remind herself that she was, you know, a beacon of light for everybody else. She had to remain strong, even though she felt like she yeah. couldn't, but she knew she had to because she was a source of hope for a, a lot of people who were going through terrible, terrible things. And it was a very heartfelt conversation she had with us. And she was very sweet. We had the chance to talk with her a little bit before the workshop and after as well. But I just applaud her for everything that she's done and the lesson that we can learn from her in terms of communicating to people and then understanding, you know, the aftermath that comes from that kind of destruction. But things will move forward, but it'll take a lot of time and and she's going to be there every step of the way. And just hearing her talk. There was also a video that we'll link you guys to as well. Um, listening to her talk, it, it really reminds you why you do this type of work. It's not for the praise of anybody, but you know you're helping to save lives and you're doing right. this for the greater good. Um, that was really, really touching and emotional, but um, inspirational moment for me, for Amos. Yeah, I think she's, like you said, that beacon of light and she's truly like inspiring, especially in the sense of the theme. Like she truly is transforming communication and the weather, water and climate enterprise. And so I think it was perfect to have her speak because she she just embodies all of those kind of qualities that Matt Parker would have wanted in a yeah. speaker. Um, and like you said, in the workshop, she, I mean, just thinking about it makes me kind of tear up because she was just so raw in that moment she was just telling us the truth she was telling us her experience and how it really felt to go through that and it was just heart-wrenching it was I mean it was just difficult to to even think about communicating to others like the dangers the risks and also kind of thinking about in the back of your mind like I have family and friends who are also going through these same dangers and risks but I have to stand I have to stand here and and be this person for the under for others like I have to be their person and I think she used those words like I was their person mm-hmm. they came to me for this mm-hmm. information and so I had to continue to provide this and she's like you said the every three hours and then some people would be like it's been three hours yeah, worth of new yeah. information so she was constantly being bombarded with uh, requests for more information. I can't even yeah. imagine like how it f- would have felt to like give your everything to these people. Um, 
Yeah, it's truly awe-inspiring, and I'm so glad that she was able to share her experiences with us um, and truly be an excellent communicator. And, you know, her story, not to diminish anything she went through, but that story, you'll hear time and time again from meteorologists all across the world. You know, they're putting their lives on the line to, to help people even when their lives are falling apart. They will be there for you to get you through everything. And... They're, again, they're not looking for you know a pat on the back at the end of the day. They know they're doing their job. They know they're saving lives, and they know they're keeping you informed. And that's something to think about, I think, when oftentimes we hear about meteorologists, weather women and weather men who are you know bad at their job every day, or they, you know, they don't know what they're doing. But when these moments come and these crises are upon us, you know, these are people that you, you need to trust and you have to trust and you will because you know they're giving you information that will help you and your family. So it, I think it's really important to look at this um, and take away from it that, you know, not to, again, try to be like, oh, meteorologists, we're awesome, we're cool, we saved the world. But, you know, just look at it in a different way and then kind of realize and see, you know, we're all, we all do our own thing, I guess, in the world to help each other out. But uh, meteorologists have a different job in terms of communicating when these major events occur and so just a little bit more respect for that that kind of work is uh would be much appreciated i think in general it's just a shame that it takes like some gigantic event or something to really get people trusting that one individual i know some people trust their like everyday Mm -hmm. meteorologist their weekend meteorologist or whatever on television but when something like deadly or dangerous really happens that's when people look to that individual and I almost wish it would happen more organically versus like oh this is the moment we need to to look to someone but I think that's just the nature of being human Mm -hmm. and one of the challenges that we face in communicating the weather so and speaking of communicating weather you know there are a lot of challenges with Maria in Puerto Rico, like being bilingual, speaking Spanish and English. But there are other areas of communication that people may not also talk about as much either. And that's where one of your favorite parts of the AMS meeting was a vulnerability panel um, that was uh, moderated by our friend Trevor Boucher, right? Yeah, it was a really fantastic panel. Um, Basically, the premise of it was um, we often talk about vulnerable populations and how we're communicating weather information to them in our community. But oftentimes we don't have those vulnerable populations in the room or they don't have their own voice, Mm -hmm. per se. So this time Trevor was fantastic and actually got individuals who identify as different vulnerable populations. And they were the panel that kind of spoke to us. Um, about their needs and different ways that we could kind of integrate ourselves into their community and kind of figure out how what our next steps should be in assisting them or working with them or thinking through the their lens um, in communicating the weather. So it was pretty cool. Um, there was an individual who identified and belonged to the deaf community, Big D um, deaf community. So she conducted the entire panel in American Sign Language, which was really cool um, and something that I had never seen before at a conference and I would love to see again. Um, There was someone who identified as uh, low vision or um, part of the blind community. 
Um, and there was an individual who identified as belonging to the autistic community. And then lastly, the bilingual community that you kind of brought up, um, there was someone who worked with that community, especially with undocumented individuals and how those difficult conditions may kind of interfere with their gathering of weather information. Yeah. And let's talk about some of those individuals for a little bit too. So um, I want to start with the bilingual uh, woman who also deals with or uh, works with, I'm sorry, the uh, undocumented immigrant community, because I think a lot of people don't really see that as a potential issue and uh, hindrance on, you know, effective communication of, of weather information. But if you could imagine people who are undocumented, that makes up a large percentage of you know, people in the United States, I mean, maybe not the largest, but a decent percentage. And if they're fearing, you know, being deported or anything like that, then, you know, they're not going to try to seek out help or shelter, for instance, because they don't want to, you know, have authorities deport them or or, or arrest them or anything like that. And so you have situations where uh, they're in a really terrible situation. They may not have really um, sound structures that they're living in that are more vulnerable to high wind and, and thunderstorms and, and right. you know extreme heat in areas like Texas, for example. Um, and also the bilingual aspect as well, not understanding English and needing Spanish translation. So these are definitely important areas that we need to see more because at the end of the day, whether you're documented or undocumented, you're a human being. And I think that you deserve Preach. rights uh, to be safe and to understand Preach. and it you know whatever your political leaning is it's still a human being just because you're undocumented doesn't mean that you get to be subjected to terrible weather conditions that could kill you and your family you know so that's really mm-hmm. important um, our friend Matt Bolton who you said identifies um, as being on the spectrum autism spectrum had a lot of great uh, insight on that idea as well and you know there's I think overall, the panel really hit home on the idea that don't be afraid to talk to people who might, you know, be in the deaf and hard of human community who may not be able to see very well, autism spectrum or or some, you know, so forth. Be, you know, you, you should not feel weird or awkward if you want to ask them a question about, you know, anything that, that they, they go through because they want to inform you. They'd rather they're not be ignorant they'd rather use a moment that kind of moment to educate people and i think that panel is very educational for me um and understanding how to talk with somebody like that because yeah i I feel kind of weird and awkward sometimes but when we had trevor um and jennifer on our podcast uh, a while back talking about the deaf and hard of hearing community you know that was very insightful to understand and so i think that was a message that that really hit home for me and, and for maybe those who weren't as um, exposed to that kind of world to really take away from that panel. The whole theme is communication, right? So we have to communicate with these vulnerable populations. We have to ask them questions. We have to figure out what works best for them or what doesn't work best for them instead of kind of forcing things on them or talking around them or using experts in these vulnerable populations to make decisions for them. So I think while it would be awkward or uncomfortable to have these conversations, it's important that we know how to kind of approach someone and just feel free to talk to them. Like you just hinted at, like we're all humans, like we're human beings first. And so we have to make sure that we 
are treating each other like human beings and talking um, with one another. And, you know, Trevor had this great hashtag that he used, um, hashtag the number one size fits zero. So the idea of that hashtag um, is to pretty much say, you know, communication, even consistency, that idea that we've talked about a little bit earlier. Mm. Um, Sometimes these ideas that we have on what's the best way to communicate, it's not a one size fits all approach at all. And you can't put a blanket over, you know, everybody and say, well, this is the best way to do it. Everybody has their own individual needs. And I think awareness of that is important so that we can work on better ways to communicate. It really blew up this idea of consistency, which I just love that it even came up and during the conversation. Um, But it was interesting because Matt Bolton, um, our friend who identifies on the autism spectrum and Alyssa Bates, who um, identifies low vision and also with the, with some areas of the blind community, they were both saying opposite things in regard to consistent messaging r- r- involving color. Um, so Matt was like, we need to watch what colors we use, especially for colorblind individuals and kind of cutting down on the number of colors we use and being more consistent in that way. Whereas Alyssa said that she likes lots of different colors. She likes the 122 whatever mm-hmm. Wawa uh, kind watch of table warning. of elements that we have. Yeah, the watch warning advisory table of elements that we have because it helps her distinguish the different warnings um, because she picks up on patterns. So it really does blow up this idea of being consistent because being consistent doesn't fit everyone. Um, so trying to figure out what that means and how it would kind of work with every individual in our country is an interesting conundrum that I'm really interested in taking on. So, um, yeah, it was pretty cool. Flexible consistency, which that's a great, sounds weird. That's but, a great phrase, um, though. I like that. It is. Um, it's it's an interesting way to think about it. Uh, but, yeah, super cool panel. Great job, Trevor. And it will be recorded. It was recorded as well. So as soon as it's ready and up by AMS, we'll be sure to link it on our webpage as well. Yeesh. Uh, cool. I'm going to use the restroom real quick. (laughs) Okay. Sorry. Whenever we go to AMS, we're usually presenting, not all the time, but most of the time, men and I both uh, have presentations that we give. And when I think about what I would like to present to members of the audience. It's like an important communication, like conundrum, right? So do we show a PowerPoint? What do we show on the PowerPoint? How many words do we put on the, on the slide? These are all like questions that come with presenting at AMS. Yep. And, um, Becky DePodwin. Yes. Her friend is Becky. Is that how you say? Yes. Is that how you say her last I name? I believe it is. Um, Becky. Okay. I hope we didn't Becky, get your last name wrong. Becky DePodwin. Formerly Becky Elliott. <laughs> Yeah, formally. Um, She kind of reflected a little bit after AMS on kind of this idea of death by PowerPoint. And we have this, we see this idea often. And even our colleague, Dr. Susan Jasko, has talked about it numerous times. And she herself only uses pictures in her uh, Mm -hmm. slides if she can get away with it. Yeah. But it's this question, should we use PowerPoint? Uh, Well, I have some answers to it, but I'm sure people have varying opinions about it. So for me, I love PowerPoint. However, I only love it when it's used effectively. And Mm -hmm. 
Um, I feel like when I present, I try to use minimal text for sure. I don't like to have a yes. bunch of text everywhere, and I try to use a lot of visual graphics and and transitions that kind of get people excited. That you know they're visually appealing to see things move just a little, like nothing distracting, but just like a wipe or a fade can really make a difference between having a PowerPoint slide show up and then it blips to another PowerPoint. When you have a smooth transition, that can actually be very easy on the eyes, and it makes people feel more, you know, comforted when they're looking at the next slide. I don't know if that makes any sense or not,、um, but you know, those are tactics that I use, and I definitely this time around went very visually heavy. Like I put a bunch of photos on there for people to see, and you know, th- my presentation this year it was about like my work with the National Park Service, and. There didn't really need to be a bunch of bullet point text or anything like that. There were some, but definitely didn't need to be that much. No fancy,、uh, complicated graphs or anything like that. And I think it really hit home, and and a lot of people could understand it. And so I think it just depends on how you use PowerPoint. I think most people,、eh, I don't want to be mean, but I don't think a lot of people use it to the best of their ability. And also. The topic of what they're presenting on certainly dictates how interesting their presentation can be, right? If you have a lot of, you know, scientific data, it might be harder for them to communicate it using PowerPoint without putting all the graphs and tables and charts on it. I think there's certainly a way to improve those types of presentations, but I can certainly say that it must be a lot harder for them to try to. You know, put all that information in a twelve to thirteen minute presentation, and then to have questions afterwards. Yeah, I feel the same way. I really like PowerPoint、um, if it's used correctly, as you mentioned. You need to make sure that you pick a background that can accurately depict like whatever you're showing on your presentation. You don't want your font size to be too small, like all these like little things. Yeah.、Um, but I also really like utilizing like banners and different things to kind of shrink down the size that you're allowed because it kind of Gives you a little less room to be like, oh, I can throw all this on the、mm-hmm. the slide,、um, but I always like just doing a little bit of text and some f- pictures or different things. I think my favorite presentation was the one I was gave mine? on consistency. Oh, okay, no, all right, was、well. the one I gave on consistency. I mean, like the wait, way your favorite presentation was your own. That's a little conceited. No, the way that <laughs> the way that I use PowerPoint, like of the two、oh, okay. that I presented,、oh, okay. the consistency one was my favorite. <laughs> I should have clarified, <laughs> just because it was. I feel like it was really easy in a way to do it though, because there was no data. It was like a literature review. It was like a thought experiment, basically.、Um, so it was just. Kind of relaying information from different literatures, like、mm-hmm. different disciplines,、sure. and kind of translating it into weather terms, which was really fun. Well, like I gave a、um, presentation one time, and it was on my thesis research on the phone apps, right? And I have a lot of statistical data that I yeah, could have presented. presented. Huh? Yeah. I mean, you presented what statistics you showed perfectly. Like that same presentation I did at AMS last year in Seattle, actually did it at、um, East Carolina for a different on-campus conference, and I got a lot of good feedback. But one feedback that I did get was they they said we wanted to see more of how you got to the numbers. Like we wanted to see more like a、uh, a chi-squared table or an ANOVA table of your statistics.、Yuck. And I said I was thinking to myself, you know, that's that's not what is important in that moment. Like 
I don't think nope. it truly matters how I got to the the uh, statistics. I'm not making it up though, and I can get like why people want to know that moment. But I don't think it's important to visually show that because there's so many results that I have to show. Why waste my time and effort show, telling them, oh, well, I had to do this test to get there, 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 rather than right. showing, okay, there was a, an association between these two variables, you know, I think that is more important. If they have questions, then they can certainly ask. And, you know, they did. And I answered them after the presentation, but didn't think it was necessary to show in the presentation itself. But like you were saying, overall, I feel like my topics that I present on kind of lend themselves less towards like graphs and tables though like some of the stuff we've done mm -hmm. in years past castle we've definitely had to yeah, use yeah, yeah. um tables and figures but there's definitely ways to show it you know a lot of times you have like a tiny itty bitty little graph and you have a giant room so no one's going to really be able to see it and right. the numbers too um but there are ways to depict that information i think that a lot of people can can maybe um pick up on for future years when they're presenting but i mean castle what's what idea do you have without using powerpoint like are there ways that people can present <laughs> that doesn't really use that presentation kind of software um not that i know of i mean there are different different avenues of kind of transforming the powerpoint into things that are more fluid like prezi um but i don't even know if ams allows that format or support I think yeah it's probably a no yeah. um but Prezi is like an option that makes it more fluid and more like graphically pleasing. Um, I used I use Prezi sometimes, um, like for class presentations. Don't they charge you now like for that. it? Do they? I haven't been on it in like a year. I haven't or used two. it in a while. That shows you how I heard they charge. Shows you how long I haven't had a class presentation. <laughs> um, but uh, they may charge you now. That's not good. Um, some people <laughs> use what is the Mac version? It's uh, Keynote. Keynote. Um, some people use that. It seems to be more fluid, but it also has trouble like translating to PowerPoint. Yeah. So that's another issue. So yeah, we're kind of out of options. Well, I guess like in terms of presenting without a PowerPoint or a keynote, uh, just people talking overall with, with no visual aid. How, have yeah. you ever seen one that's effective? Um, Cause no. I can't, but, but, but I feel like it could be biased because I've been kind of brought up in this idea of these conferences. This is how it works. You have a PowerPoint, you have a this, but there are some human geographers that just get up and read a paper. They read that it. They've written. Yeah. Ew. Like a no. lot of the human geographers just get a paper, like they write a paper and just read it in front of the audience. Um, what? So I think people do. <laughs> is yeah, that like I acceptable? Think people, yeah, it's like encouraged, I think. Mm. So I think different disciplines do different things. So I guess for um, me, though, like, okay, back in 2014 in Atlanta, the AMS meeting, do you remember the Moore Oklahoma panel? The tornado panel? Yes. Did they use I PowerPoints? Do. I don't remember because that was. They did. Okay. Because that still by far is the most engaging like panel discussion that yeah, I've ever I feel seen. Like we, we always come back to that. It, it's so good. And so pretty much for those <laughs> who don't know, in 2014 in Atlanta, so more Oklahoma was hit by a tornado in 2013, right? Um, yes. And so there was this great panel where they kind of went through the whole entire event chronologically. And so they broke it down by like social media posts at this time. And then, you know, 10 minutes later, this happened on social media. And they kind of went through from a different uh, perspectives, like here's what the radar was showing at this point and that point. And so it's very engaging. I don't, I wouldn't say that that panel relied 
heavily on PowerPoint, but it certainly helped. But, you know, having the energy and having the different people and having that um, sense of urgency as if you were actually there in that moment made that panel the most fascinating panel I've ever seen. And so, you know, maybe PowerPoint or not PowerPoint really isn't the question. It's how you use it. And if you don't use it, do you have other ways to kind of settle, uh, you know, deal with the problem of of not having a visual aid? But for me, I think for those who are visual or um, learners using uh, sound, having a PowerPoint and hearing somebody talk covers both of those bases. Mm -hmm. But if you only do one or the other, I think somebody might be left out. And so that's that's kind of the way I see it. No, I agree. And I think I'm, I'm taking one of your points here, but I'm going back to all the panels and things that I think have been successful. And I wonder if it is the podium. Is the podium what is kind of hindering mm. um, or kind of increasing the potency of this death by PowerPoint? Is not only the PowerPoint being there, but us being fixed in one location kind of causing this drowsiness or like, I don't know, monotony um, that comes along with PowerPoint. Perhaps it's not PowerPoint itself. Perhaps it's the podium that's acting on it. Um, Or maybe it's a combination of the two. Well, I can certainly say that for those who aren't as experienced in giving a presentation or are a lot more nervous about doing that kind of stuff, the podium definitely serves as a crux for them to kind of stand up on. (sighs) And it gives them more more, uh, confidence to be able to present. For those who are more energetic, uh, for exa- uh, example, broadcasters who are used to being mm-hmm. on air, moving their arms and walking around, and um, I've kind of grown into that type of presenter as well myself, I hate the podium, but the microphone yeah, attached to the podium is what helps to record your audio so that the audio presentation can be uploaded online afterwards. You know, at the um, National Weather Association conference, they have a um, small lapel mic that you can attach to yourself and you can kind of walk around and, and interact with the audience more and use more of your body language. And that for me is so much more effective in communicating. Yep. It's kind of like a Ted talk style where you can walk around, move around and really feel in, in, you know, in harmony with your presentation. I don't know if that makes sense yes. at all. No, it totally does. Uh, but I mean, Castle, when you first started presenting and I know for me, I was so scared. I didn't want to be away from the podium. The podium helped me a lot. But as time has gone on and I've gotten more experience, I hate the podium. Thoughts on that? Um, I think so. Yes. But after my first presentation, like I wanted the podium gone, it stresses me and gives me more anxiety to just sit in one place and like. I feel like I'm sitting and staring at everyone and everyone's staring back at me. So I think if I could just like walk around and be, like you said, in more harmony with my presentation, I think that would be ugh, so much better. Yeah. Plus like some presentations just lend themselves better to like the Ted talk style. Mm-hmm. Like I felt like my consistency, my consistency talk would have been so much better as like a walk around kind of thing because I was being provocative and showing people new things that they had never seen before and kind of tying things back to weather yeah. and being like, what about this? What about this? Just asking a lot of questions. I think those kind of talks are so much better when you're kind of walking around and being more like relaxed and kind of upbeat. And I don't know. So yeah, I don't like the podium. I'll just say <laughs> do not. You know, we have a lot of these ideas and whether Twitter was really great in coming up with ideas and potential alternatives. So 
There are actually people at AMS who are listening to this advice and this criticism and feedback to help make future meetings better and hopefully incorporating some of our ideas. So I believe Andrea Bleistein, she was on the um, student conference Mm -hmm. um, uh, conversation with professionals panel. She actually tweeted and said, hey, I'm in charge of kind of figuring out how to improve AMS meetings. Let me know. Send me your ideas. So we'll try to get her information to you guys so that if you guys have anything that you want to suggest, you can certainly forward it to her or you can reach out to her directly and get that feedback going because, you know, Talking about it on a podcast is great, but hey, if we can turn it into actual action, yeah. wouldn't that be lovely? Plus, the theme is communication, so it would be silly for us not to communicate with her. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. And speaking of communication, because I don't know, that's like the only segue I have right now. <laughs> um, communicating through photography is important. And if you didn't know, AMS every year has a bunch of really cool professional photographers that walk around and take photos of people at the meeting. So they have a Flickr page, and every year they have one. And I just want to announce for the first time in the five years that I've gone to AMS, I'm actually on the Flickr page this year. You are too. Yay. Yay. Yeah, I saw another photo that's different from the one that you showed me that we're both into. Wait, from what, like from the top angle? From like on top of the escalator? No, no, no. It's uh, when we're in the student conference when we're waiting. Oh, you can barely see me. I'm so... I know, but you can see I know. Us. I was kind of We're bummed there. about that. I was, I was hoping the photographer would be on the other angle and get me from the other side, you know? My, my better side. Um, better side. But yeah, if you want to check it out, we'll link you to the Flickr page as well. You can try to find yourself. I'm I'm just happy that I, I kind of make a... My right side makes an appearance and my back side does too. <laughs> <laughs> you know, just uh, showing, you know. showing two of the four sides right there. Um but yeah, it's kind of cool just to see the uh, the photos. There's some great, great action photos. Uh, one of my favorite, there was a uh, virtual reality goggles at a poster session. And there was yep. a really, I didn't get to talk to the guy that was doing the research or the poster, but thought that was really, really cool. And I was like, oh, someone that has to get cool. a shot of that right now. Yeah, basically what he was doing, he was kind of uh, mimicking the conditions of when like a rocket would launch. Oh, okay. And so he was doing like how different weather conditions would affect the trajectory Ooh, of the launch. Okay. Um, and so uh, I'm pretty sure that's what he was doing. Oh, that's really um, awesome. I spent some time watching other people on the goggles, but I did not want to put the goggles <laughs> on myself. Um, so yeah, there's lots of cool new things at the poster sessions and I'd never seen virtual reality goggles used in a poster session. So Props to yeah, him to for, for um, kind of ex- pushing the limb, pushing the boundaries of push it, push sessions. it to the limit, limit. Do you know where that's from? Yeah. What is it from? <laughs> High School Musical. No. No. It's from that jump rope movie, Double Dutch, or something on Disney Channel oh, with Corbin Lord. Blue. Remember? No, I don't. Okay. Well, if anybody okay. knows what I'm talking about, let me know. If you don't, go away. Let me know. Um, can we also talk about the food that was at AMS? Because there was some like really interesting, yes. good, and like strange. Like okay, this one day they had this like local creamery that made ice cream. Did you get yeah, to try any was, of it? It was yummy. I did. I tried the Mexican. Me vanilla too. It was flavor. so good. That yeah. was it. Was like a like a sharp vanilla flavor, but like a little bit of like a spice to it. Maybe I just I don't yeah. know if I made that up, but like that's what it tasted like. No, no, no. Yeah. Okay. Really good. And then another day they had <laughs> these giant walls of soft pretzels. 
Yeah, walls. <laughs> like the 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 wall is probably what ten feet high, and they just had little yeah. little like hooks coming out, and a bunch of pretzels are just like attached to the wall. You just walk by and grab one. That was weird, but also my mind was obviously thinking, how much did this cost? Because conference food <laughs> costs a bunch of money, and like we said, when we put together, helped put together the um, University of Georgia party back in Atlanta in yeah. 2014, one chicken finger costed six dollars. Okay. That means a hundred chicken tenders would have costed six hundred. Conference food is pricey, so I'm thinking, man, that wall of pretzels probably cost several thousand dollars. And pretzels aren't hard to make, but they'll ch- they'll charge you an arm and a leg, which is probably why registration costs are so high overall for any conference you yeah. go to. But I'm just thinking, like that thing of ice cream, that one cup probably was like ten dollars. <laughs> Plus, they had like the other kind of ice cream, like the ones that are on the stick. Oh, like a popsicle? They're called. Like popsicle, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the ice up. cream that comes on a stick. Klandai? <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, they have like the strawberry with like yeah, the yeah. graham cracker cr- uh, outside and those kind of things. So they had like a regular like popsicle kind of yeah. uh, freezer too. Man. But they had all kind of stuff. They had like giant cookies. Oh, the cookies were good. Um, popcorn per use. That's, that's pretty popcorn. normal. Fresh fruit. I mean, we, we always talk about... Um, the food they always like are different and go like above and beyond different things i still miss the candy bar that was my favorite candy bar one of my favorites at one of the ams conferences there was like different types of candy god did they they realize we're all gonna crash after we eat all that sugar right (laughs) i mean i'm enjoying (laughs) i try to be healthy i ate a bunch of fresh fruit i didn't want to get the ice cream but then i ended up getting it anyway but i didn't regret it because it was really tasty um but yeah i mean we got to explore Austin a little bit, maybe not as much as I wanted to, but there were some pretty cool places that we ate, right? Mm-hmm. I was trying to reflect on all the different places that we ate, but I'm getting them confused with like the weekend that I spent there oh, after yeah. AMS yeah. and um, before, but we ate a lot of barbecue, which I was kind of sick of barbecue by the end of leaving Austin. I was like, I've had enough barbecue for the month of January what other places did we eat at? We ate at we, like had, a we pizza had a Mai Tai. Place. Mai Tai was a really good Thai restaurant. Oh yeah, I think that might have been my favorite. Really? Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, that's good. Better than PF Chang's. Um, <laughs> yeah, PF Chang's was kind of. I mean, it was good, but I didn't get enough food. Yeah, and it was expensive. We got to but... uh, see our friend Jason. We haven't seen him since like 2015. We did. But he um, it was great. He moved him. from. A, uh, Lima, Ohio, to Austin, Texas, to work in TV. So congratulations on on that and the move. Where else did we eat at? We ate. Did you like the Mexican restaurant that you guys went to, Uncle no. Julio's? It was just plain. Like it was just like been there, done that. Yeah, the margarita I had was very weak. By the way. Oh really? Yeah, it was not not the loveliest, unfortunately. Um, we ate at that backspace pizza. Oh, that was pretty. It was pretty good. It, it was, was good. It's like gourmet style, though. like a uh, fire brick oven pizza kind of mm-hmm. thing going on. And so it's like a little bit more fancy than you would think of. Fancier than like a your pie, or definitely a lot fancier yeah. than a CC's. But <laughs> I mean, we had like what, like wine bottles that had water in them. Oh yeah, yeah, carafes. So it was fancy. Yeah, yeah. Um. But I was not feeling that chicken sausage. I'm sorry. I'm that was the that only meat there. that I could find for you that you. No, I know. It I was. Tried. It was. You pick. You picked the right one. But <laughs> and it, it was, was still just, not good. I wasn't feeling it. <laughs> um, 
we did go out a few times there was a place called the easy tiger where it was like this giant oh, yeah. like bar slash bakery super cool so they had like really good bread in the top level i actually got a uh uh tiger chocolate it's like a chocolate croissant oh. that was really good and then they also had ping pong tables outside and a bunch of tents where you can go and, and sit so they had a bunch of things going on there, and I went there like three or four times that week, I think. It was just such an easy, large venue to go to. Yeah, it was a great place. Um, there was this other place I went to called Shakespeare, I think, and it had like mm-hmm. uh, arcade games up at the top. I only went there to meet up with some of my Virginia Tech friends that were there, and that was pretty cool. Um, we went to the OU party. You didn't go to the OU party, right? did not i managed so i don't know i think they had a lot less tickets this year because the line that you normally wait in to get into the exhibit hall on monday um the university of oklahoma throws a pretty cool party every year but you have to get a ticket to get in and at monday in the in the evening is when you all line up to try to get a ticket normally there's not like a really a giant line but this year it's like a very orderly like almost single file line and i was probably in the top uh quarter of the front of the line and i still didn't get a ticket Managed to get a ticket at one point the next day, but it was pretty cool. They had a nice little venue, some music, and some food trucks outside for free food and and some free uh, alcohol and whatnot. So uh, that was pretty cool. Um, But I think my favorite meal is when you had already actually left uh, to go hang out with your family. (laughs) Um, I went with uh, Gage and Massey and went to Banger's Sausage House and Beer Garden. And they have a ton of different types of homemade sausages that they uh, make on site. And I remember seeing this place on the Travel Channel because I think if you, on the menu, it was like, if you get a tattoo of our logo, you know, you can get it for free because they worked out a deal uh, a deal oh with a gosh. tattoo parlor. So you can get the tattoo of the Bangers Sausage House for free. And I think if you show them the tattoo, you get like a discount on your meal as well. So if you really love them, you can totally do that. So you, what you're trying to tell us is you got a second tattoo. <laughs> Did I ever even talk about my tattoo, the first tattoo I got? Yeah, I did. Okay, I'm pretty time sure. flies. It's a blur. Uh, no, I haven't. I might, but I don't live in Austin, so I feel like I couldn't really get <laughs> the food as much as I would want to. But um, it was really good food, though. Really good beer. A ton of beer on tap, and I got like a curry or a sausage with like a curry, uh, ketchup, aioli, and French fries. It was really, really good. Super delicious. Oh, and the barbecue cool. too. All the barbecue. That, that one place we went, Cooper's Barbecue, like you just walk up yeah, to them. Yeah, was that the first night we went? Yeah. Yeah. It was like you can get like a however many pounds or a quarter pound or half pound of whatever meat you want, like brisket, pulled yep. pork, and then you can choose like a side, like a mashed potatoes or a coleslaw out of the fridge. And then they give you like free beans and free bread <laughs> and free jalapenos. You are all about that free, those free beans. It was weird. I'd never seen a thing where it's like a ju- <laughs> giant jug of beans and you just like scoop it up into a bowl. Giant jug of the jalapenos beans. are really good. But the, the weird part was like bread. I don't get it because I, I want my bread to be toasted. I don't want just like white bread to eat with my barbecue you know i think that's kind of weird it's very barbecue it's like a very barbecue thing just it to have is white bread. but i mean if you're in texas like i never saw texas toast once the whole entire week <laughs> did you like i didn't see giant pieces no. of is texas that a buttery th- toast. is that a thing though i mean or is that just a brand name <laughs> i don't i thought it was a texas thing i don't know <laughs> i've been in texas a lot i feel like i've seen texas toast before <laughs> oh. oh we ate at whataburger how could we forget Oh yeah, we did eat at Whataburger. I ate there twice. So the one time I we ate with you guys, a got like a jalapeno burger, and the the fries were pretty good. Very McDonald's esque. I I'd like to think. 
McDonald's mixed with steak and shake. Yeah. Yes, for sure. That's a good that's a good analogy. Um did you like the spicy ketchup? I liked it a lot. I don't do sauces. At all? Remember. I don't remember you oh that's no. right. I guess you don't. Oh, sorry, bad friend. Um but there was spicy ketchup was we were told to get that by our crazy lift driver. So <laughs> So we took a lift from our hotel to get to the the, cl- the closest Whataburger and she talked to us for like 15 minutes in the parking lot in the parking lot. I mean, it took 10 minutes to get there. So she was talking about like, you know, where should we go? And then when we got to the parking lot, th- Castle was trying to get out. I think she tried to lock the door because <laughs> she wanted us to talk she to her. She was. More. I don't think she was. I think she was unlocking the door and you took it as her locking it. Well, why would she continuously unlock it? She was getting fidgety. That doesn't make sense. <laughs> I don't know. She was distracted and by her talking. elbowing me like, get out, get out get of the out car, the get out of the car. <laughs> <laughs> It was really funny. And then she just rolled the window Yeah, down. so when we all got out of the car and we're like, all right, bye, she rolls down her driver's seat window to talk to us some more. And we're all like, all right, we got to get some burgers because we got to go very soon. So that was very interesting. Um, but I went back to Whataburger with my friend and I got a honey chicken biscuit. It's oh. literally like a, bis- a like a nice buttery biscuit with fried chicken in the middle and they drizzle a bunch of honey on it. Oh my God, it's so good. Was it yeah. good? I mean, totally terrible for you, but totally good. <laughs> delicious. But I mean, other than that, we didn't really get to see Austin too much. We did see the state capitol briefly. We um, mm-hmm. walked around town a little bit. And then the part that... Into that old hotel. Yeah, we did go into the old hotel. Do you remember the name of it? I do not. <laughs> yeah, I don't either. But the old hotel in downtown Austin. That should be hard to find. Um, yeah, it was really cool. It was. It smelled like vanilla. <laughs> it smelled like old decaying vanilla. um but the cool part of the street that i went on after you left was uh where we went to that bangers place is called rainy street and rainy street is like a bunch of old homes that were converted into restaurants and bars so it's only maybe two or three blocks it's not very long i thought it was gonna be a lot larger of an area but it definitely impressed me from what i saw you know it was really cool seeing a bunch of little like bars and like a bunch of lights everywhere so that was really really cool i totally recommend going there uh, if you get a chance to go back to Austin. Okay, we're going to do this thing called Rose and Thorn of the Conference. Okay, so... Would you like me to explain it? I mean, I'm pretty sure you need to explain it for everybody else. Nobody knows what that means. Okay, Rose and Thorn. So they do this a lot on, like, the Real Housewives reunion shows where they're like, tell us your highlight and your low light of the season but they say like rose and thorn and it's a common like communication game or like an icebreaker um usually people do it like at a family table like the family will have dinner and they'll be like what was the rose and thorn of your day just to get like the kids talking (laughs) so what kind of family does that (laughs) honey what was your rose and thorn moment today people do it uh, your family does that no but people do Mm. it i have never heard of a family that's done it ever Okay, just because you haven't heard of a family that does it doesn't mean it doesn't I know happen. a lot of families. I know all the families do in America. You? <laughs> do you? I do. I do. All right. Um, I mean, you can go. Rose and I Thorn. feel like I've already talked about the good and the bad. What else could I say? Well, can you just like succinctly highlight it? Like? What was your rose and what was your thorn? Like just a specific moment or overall feeling? Yes. A specific moment. Specific moment. Ooh. Mm. I'm going to have to pass on that one and give that deferred, deferred to you. Because I can't really think of a specific moment. Okay. 
Or, I mean, it doesn't have to be a moment. It could just be, like, a thing. Like, your rose could be, like, connecting yes, with people. Yes, it would totally be connecting to with, see. like, old friends cause that I don't get to see very often. People I haven't seen in years came this year. People that came last year. People I've seen, uh, haven't seen in a long time. I think that's that's always going to be my rose for me. Um, AMS, for me, isn't as much about learning about new research or anything like that. It's more about connecting with people I haven't seen in a while, seeing what they're up to. Mm-hmm. And also meeting new people as well and, you know, continuing that tradition of every year you come back, you see the, some similar people, you see different people, but reaching out and talking to them and having conversations is always a bunch of fun for me. And your thorn, what was the thing that you didn't like the most or that sticks out as like a sore spot? Um, I don't know. I think the sore spot for me, I mean, there was a bunch of stimuli that made me not feel so yes. lovely during the conference that I don't really want to talk about, unfortunately. But I would say a sore spot for me would just be how wiped out I am every single time I go. You know, I, like mm. I could mm-hmm. wake up and feel completely awful, try to make it through the day and like start dozing off in, in the middle of talks. That's just the way it is. I can drink a ton of coffee and it won't make a difference. So um, the exhaustion, I think. And what apparently everybody has, the AMS plague, is probably quite a thorn in, in a lot of people's sides right now. Yours, uh, Rose and Thorn, sir? Good sir? Um, so my Rose is probably giving my consistency talk. Um, just thinking back on it and realizing how much fun I had and how much I loved it, it really just encourages me and makes me feel like I'm on the right path and going after the right questions that I want to go after. And it, it was just a lot of fun and it was great to be able to, I spoke with the director of the storm prediction center after my talk. Um, and we talked about consistency a little bit, which was really cool. That's awesome. And then my thorn would be the anxiety and uh, like all the, the worry I put into giving the talks Um, So, like, I was not prepared at all. Like, I was so busy before the conference that I didn't get to finish my talks until, like, the day before. And so a lot of the week was me, like, stressing out and worrying about when am I going to finish my presentation and blah, blah, blah. And I felt like that really took away from my experience. And so I wish I would not have done that. And next time I will not overbook myself and (laughs) make those same mistakes again. I think it's really important. Um to definitely not overexert, but I mean, you had two talks like literally back to back. That's a lot mm-hmm. of pressure, you know. It is, and the workshop that we devoted like so much time into yeah. to making happen. Um, so a lot of my energy was put towards the workshop because it was closer. It was earlier in the week, mm-hmm. and so my presentations were like, oh, they'll get done. And it was just a lot of stress that I never want to put myself into again. Yeah, so no, for sure. Um, yeah. And we can't forget, we also helped out with the AMS Student Conference Planning Committee and the Student Conference over the weekend. Yes. That was really great. Got to um, help kind of moderate a couple of sessions, you and I, uh, between each other, got to do some cool stuff. So, yep. and, and working with the student, student Conference Planning Committee, meeting some of the new members, but also reconnecting with some of the old ones that was and it's always going to be a lot of fun for me. It was great. And the end. <laughs> and the end. Um, you know, this time of the podcast, we always like to talk about our song of the week or songs of the week. But in this case, I think we have a mutual, consistent 
choice <gasps> consistent our choice is consistent this time around and oh my gosh i love would it would you like to do the honors of what song it is the song that we have selected which is also the song of the conference because we i don't know how many times <laughs> we played it like 25 30 times maybe we're maybe that's getting close to the number um but it's called strangers by sigrid i'm, I'm gonna go names? with that that was really good i think that's better sigrid? than what i would have said yeah um she is Norwegian? Mm-hmm. Question mark? Yeah, she is. Um, and you will recognize some of her other songs, uh, like Plot Twist. Um, Plot Twist. What are some other ones? Um, play games. But there, she, <laughs> yeah, she is like her. A lot of her songs have been on the Pop Rising uh, mm-hmm. playlist that's on Spotify. Um, and we were just listening to YouTube videos, right? And this it one just just happened up. to come up next. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were like, oh, we really like this song. And we were kind of entranced by her dancing on in the oh, YouTube Kill My video. Vibe is the other one, by the way. Oh, yeah, Kill My Vibe. Um, and so we just kind of started listening to it. Then we realized who it was and that she that we knew her other song. Can we sing it together, um, though? I don't know if I, I haven't listened to it since I've been back. So I don't it's know. It's not I know hard. The tune. It's like Strangers. Oh, yeah. Perfect, Perfect Pretenders. With you got me head over heels for something that ain't real. It, it can never, never be us. us. Ah, just, you just you and I. <laughs> <laughs> I finally got you to sing. You said you'd never do that on the podcast, but you know what? Season three, times are changing. New year, new you. <laughs> <laughs> Killed it. Killed that was really it. good. Um. As always, because of copyright, we can't play it, but we'll link you to the song. <laughs> but, I mean, the best we can As do is always. just sing it, you know? I don't think Sigrid's going to sue us. I think she's a pretty cool no, human being. she is. I, I think she would be on the podcast if she knew about this podcast. She's I'm pretty sure cool. she would. She's she would cool. probably lend us some of her music for free so we can use it during transitions, because I yeah. feel like those songs would actually be really good transition music. Right? It totally would. But until then, we're going to have to use free transition music, <laughs> which is great, too. We appreciate all the people who've um, yes. allowed us to use that free music. So and we cite thanks. them. So if you like any of the like transition music, you can go back and look in the episode description and find their name and do some research and find other music by them. Exactly. Um, but, you know, if you want to, you can listen to the songs or... <laughs> Here's my weird segue. You can find us in a variety of places, <laughs> including facebook.com slash weatherhype and our website, weatherhypepodcast.com. You can also find us on Twitter at weatherhype, or you can send us an email at weatherhype at gmail.com, which we should probably check. <laughs> <laughs> um, I used to have it on a tab and then it kind of disappeared. So yeah, you're right. We should probably check that. We should check um, and we should probably check to see if anybody left us any reviews because we yes, love those. And I know we've been gone for a while. We do apologize. I can't believe we haven't even mentioned that we've been gone for so long. Um, a lot has been happening in our lives and it's just been really difficult. Not trying to make excuses, but I mean, I am. We are making excuses. But, you know, we felt reinvigorated after AMS and we have met with a bunch of people who I think would love to be on the podcast. So we're reaching out to people and trying to schedule some guests for 2018. So be on the lookout for that. Plus, we also have National Podcast Month, National Weather Podcast Month, excuse me, <laughs> that's coming up in March. Um, so we have already scheduled some pretty cool crossovers um, and some great episodes for that. So you'll have to keep an eye out for that as well. 
Yeah, it's only two months away, or less than that. Until... Less than that, unfortunately. Wow, time January flies. Is, yeah. Unfortunately? Unfortunately. I mean, like, January's almost over, and I feel like I've just been in Austin the entire time. <laughs> I just <laughs> no, I got feel back, that. and I'm still like, wait, what day is it? Yeah, and then all the no, snow has just been adding to it, so. It's been a wonky, wonky beginning of 2018, y'all, for real. Uh, wonky, anyway, but good. wonky but wonky good. but good yes um but until next time until next time stay, stay hyped. hyped nailed it 2018's first podcast <laughs> stick around because more recaps are coming up next <laughs> more recaps <laughs> 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 do you have to do you have to do you have oh, to let it linger song. oh she died too i know i was about to that's say that's kind of i didn't she i think she yeah died. i don't remember her name but i know she's saying yeah. what for the band the cranberries, cranberries right but what's her name yeah cranberries idk <laughs> idk lol my bff r.i.p <laughs> cranberries woman Happy. All right, you ready? Yeah. Cool.